On a scale from late for dinner to having an affair, he was pretty high up there. Uh, what's he done? Oh, nothing. Things have just been a bit tense between us recently, but he's clearly trying to make things right. Aww. And I hear that you're having a bit of a romance. Who told you that? <laughs> Rita? It's, it's nothing. We're, we're just casual. Are you catching feelings? Am I what? The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Hello and welcome to episode 189 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catcher podcast that missed the episode where Speed Dahl stopped serving authentic Pakistani street food and started offering massages and lap dances. And I wonder if anyone thought to tell Homeless Stew. I'm Gavin. What? All that neon. All that pink neon. I don't know what it's, vibe they're going for, but it seems very, a little bit it's very Hawaii spa to me. Pretty. When was the last time you were in the Hawaii spa? Oh god, it's been a while now since COVID. I've never been in Hawaii. So. All right. So how would you know? Anyway, I've seen images. I'm, <laughs> I'm just speechless at 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 what you think massage parlors and, and strip clubs look like on the inside. Well, from the outside, they seem very neon heavy. Yeah, and that's my point. <laughs> How are you? I'm I'm okay. I tentatively don't have COVID. Yay. Yay. It's all just the same as any other week then. Yeah. Well, it, at least this week we know for sure because the kids and I went to go sit in line in a, in a long line of cars to get rapid tested because the kid that Benny sits next to in driver's ed <laughs> tested positive. Yes, ripping through the school. Oh, God. Uh Stelly had said before we, you know, before we became part of that statistic, that on Thursday, 32 kids were out in her grade and 11 kids were out of band. That's, that's quite a chunk. And a friend of mine whose, whose son goes to the, the private school here in town, the private school, um, the alternative school. The fancy one. Yeah. Which, the one that has academy in the title. Right, yeah, and then the kids have to wear uniforms, but otherwise it's basically the same. They had 90 kids out. No, oh, I would not have thought there's many more kids than that there. Yeah, and yet they're insisting that, you know, it's it's fine, we'll figure fine it now. out, and, and we're going to stay in school even though there aren't enough pupils left to teach, and there aren't enough teachers left to teach them. Right. My friend who uh, who works for the schools, Sarah has has COVID, as does her husband. They just bought a new house. So thank God they're stuck in their new house and not in their old toti apartment. Oh. <laughs> well. So thank God for small blessings. Anyway, it just seems like this is a lot worse than, than they're letting on or that which anybody is, wants to. Which feels like it's been the case for more than a year now. Yeah. Remember when they said, oh no, Joe Biden will take this seriously, unlike the other guy. 
there's just this. I don't want to go near this. No, we really <laughs> that's, don't. That's no we fun really to don't. Talk about. It's not fun. It's not. It's not. But so apart from politicians that, are going to politic, yeah. no matter what, right. you know. Anyway, at least Joe Biden can identify a party. Let's just let's just <laughs> leave it at that. How are you? Yikes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I am fine. Thank you. I was feeling a little run down this week. I'm feeling a little bit better today. Well, that's good. So that is, that is what I think they call progress. Yes. Fingers crossed. We yeah. ain't dead yet. We ain't dead yet. No. And the new Scream's out, which I'm looking forward to. Yep. We're going to see that tonight or later on today. Hopefully. Fantastic. I think the last one I saw, Scream 4. Mm-hmm was with Tommy Fitzpatrick. I think I went to see... I don't think I went to see it with him. I think I went to the movies and he was there. Ah. He liked to sit in the front row of the Sydney World in Falkirk. He's a masochist. Which, he sold me on the front row. I think I it, hate the front not row. Not the front front row. Not the front mm. row that's far too close. You know, mm. where there's a little space between mm-hmm. the sensible seats and then the there's nowhere else to sit seats. Right. So he would sit in the front row of the sensible seats. Mm-hmm. A good place to sit, but he would sit there with sandwiches that would sneak into the <laughs> into the movie theater. That sounds like Tommy. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I think I saw that with him, which must be now, it's like over or ten years. years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe not as much as that. Maybe eleven years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They they just they just it's been keep, a while. They just keep trying to pull these ancient franchises back. Right. By the skin of their fingernails, because they're just so terrified of new stories. <sighs> People are terrified of new stories, right. absolutely. Right, case in point. Thankfully, there was no new stories in Coronation Street this week. Matrix Resurrections, which was the only Matrix movie you've ever seen. I think I might have seen parts of The Matrix. I don't think I've seen it all the way through. But I think I, I, think I knew enough of it, and I think I'd seen enough of it to know that I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things that's kind of part of the culture now, so that even if you haven't seen it, you're you're aware of. I knew about the red pill and the blue pill. Right? Yeah, that's kind that's of pretty much all I know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway shall, we're not here to talk about the Matrix Resurrections. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give me some of that white rabbit Cory news. <laughs> Yes, hey, it's your birthday. It's your birthday? No, you're supposed to go da na 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 What? <laughs> it's my birthday too, yeah. What? <laughs> Do you not listen to the Beatles at all? Not regularly, no. Uh, anyway. It's that, your birthday. That's. This works better. You say it's your birthday, it's my birthday too, because... It was only fitting that Hope and Joseph got so much airtime this week as real-life twins Isabella and William Flanagan celebrated their 11th birthday. 11 years old. 11 years old. 11 years young. Same age, same same genes, same DNA, and yet Isabella towers over William. Yeah. And William has far more freckles than Isabella does. Yeah, I don't think they're identical. Well, no, because they're boy and girl, so right. they wouldn't be identical. Right. But, but still... They're so cute, and it's so smart of the show. They're so cute. It's so smart of the show to make them cousins. I think that works out really well. It really does. It really does. Yeah. Apparently, their big sister works on Emmerdale. Emmerdale. Yeah. yeah. 
So this is this seems to be a trend that you know child stars family business. Yeah, because uh, Jude Reardon's brothers are also in the business. Oh really? Yeah. And and J- their dad was Jacob and Lydia are siblings in real life as well. Right. Yes, but they're not as cute. Because they're Correct. older than 11. Right. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't their birthday this week. It was just really fun seeing the two of them together in a scene because we haven't right. seen that in, in a I don't know, age. I don't know how long. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, I, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, as we get through it. Absolutely. But little Joseph is, is fair coming along. Yes, I, he is. He's Now that he's finally been given a chance to, right. you know, have... An actual storyline. Yeah, the two the two of them together, I think, probably bring bring each other along yes. a little bit. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's just delightful to see. Yes. So happy birthday. Happy my birthday to them. To Isabella and William. Probably named after royalty, I'm assuming. Isabella, I think that's a is that a Spanish queen? That I is a know. Spanish queen. And William could be any number of kings. Any number of kings or princes. Or just just Bill down the road. (laughs) Or my or my Uncle Billy. Sure, that'll be what it is. (laughs) Someone not celebrating this week was Jack P. Shepherd, who is the latest Corey actor to contract COVID. Yeah, and he seemed to have some symptoms of it as well. He yeah, wasn't he, asymptomatic or no, he couldn't smell or taste. He, he felt fine, but he couldn't smell his shower gel. Right. That's kind of what he noticed first, is that he couldn't smell his shower gel, which I can imagine being kind of weird. Because your shower gel has a distinctive smell. That's why you buy it, because you like the smell of it and you want your body to smell of it all day. I'm familiar with five people buy shower gel, yeah, <laughs> and to make them clean. Yes. Yeah, so that's, it It seems like more people, more people involved with Coronation Street have had COVID than haven't had COVID at this point. So I think pretty much all of the actors have. Have they? Yeah. Because hmm. let's remember, Simon Gregson had it first and that was oh, that's right. like in the very I f- beginning. I forgot about that. And then um, Charlie DeMello had it and didn't know until afterwards when he tested positive for the antibodies. Remember that? Vaguely, yeah. yeah. This is all the best of Corey news for the last <laughs> couple of years. Yep. And finally, Sophie may have broken her wrist on a moped. Sure. But don't expect her to come home to convalesce. Brooke Vincent has announced this week that she is retiring permanently from the cobbles to focus on motherhood. So yeah. no more Sophie. I think her contract expired some time ago and it hasn't been renewed but i think there was the expectation that once once you'd got all the motherly things done <laughs> which you know for 18 years later then she would come back so the door was kind of left open for her and i thought it was quite interesting that she was mentioned this week right in the show right because the last that we heard of her she was touring the far east with kate wasn't right she? yeah and now she's in crete which is much, much closer to home than, right. than the, the, the far, far east. east So I thought maybe she's Slowly winding her way back, back to home. the cobbles, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen, nah. which is a shame. We like Sophie. Nah, yeah. And her jean jacket. So, yes. So that's another lesbian down permanently. We've got a lesbian down! 
medic. <laughs> ah, so we just have to rely on Dr. Gaddas and the the bisexuality of, of Nina and Asha. Which I'm still not sure is a thing. But. Which is fine. And that's Corey News. That's Corey News. On to our mailbag. Peggy wrote in to say, Hello, I'm making this inquiry to know if it's possible to get a total of 350 well-packed boxes of cupcakes. A set of four or six in each box from your establishment bakery for 350 people on the 22nd of January 2022. The flavour should be vanilla. A carrier agent and his team will pick them up by 3pm on the same day. The box packages are given away to dependent children and homeless individuals for a programme my wife and I are coordinating in the USA and the UK due to the after effect of the COVID-19. Every other logistics would be taken care of by our agent. Please kindly give us the total cost of this imminent service plus tax if any. Thank you and I look forward to hearing from you soon. She's mistaken thanks. us for someone else, thanks. hasn't she? Thanks for that, Peggy. Is 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 there a bakery called Talk of the Street somewhere in America? I don't know. You didn't think to look this up? Nope. To, did you respond to her and say, I'm sorry, I think you've got the wrong person? Nope. And now we'll podcast for coffee. You're a dick. Thank you to Jeanette for our coffees this week. Thank you, Jeanette. I am drinking my coffee from my new <laughs> Mr. Osborne is a fanny mug. In a Rocky Horror Picture Show sort of font. Yeah, it's a kind of uh, graffiti, I, th- I think is the name of it. Really? Because it looks more blood drippy than... Yeah, I've put the drips in to make it look like wet paint. <laughs> or blood. Maybe you should have gone with a different colour then. <laughs> Because that makes it look like we're we're plotting to murder Mr. Osborne. Hmm. And Fuck! you're drinking yours out of we're plotting to murder Mr. Osborne. Mug. <laughs> no, it's the big massive SpongeBob one that you use for soup. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jeanette, for our coffees this week. We really appreciate it. If you want to buy us coffee for next week's show, go to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Five bucks gets me and Helen some quality dairy gas station Joe. If you want to give us a little bit more, we might go to Big B's. But thanks Ooh, for that. It's very fancy. much appreciated. And now let's move on to our new section, which is called New Tubes. What is this? We've had a little bit of a spike in our YouTube channel over the last couple of weeks. Oh, excellent. So I thought it might be worthwhile just taking a little second to mention it here and what's new in it and maybe what's coming up. Oh, yeah, because you did something that's not just the podcast. Well, on our YouTube channel, which doesn't really have a proper name yet because we don't have enough subscribers. So please, I believe the phrase is smash that subscribe button. Uh, go Hit to the bell and click the bell or whatever. If you search on YouTube for the Talk of the Street podcast, it should take you straight to us. We have the podcast, obviously, is on it, and some classic Corey superb cuts where I go through multiple episodes and put stories together in a kind of linear format to make it easier to to consume. So I did that this week for uh, Forward with Fresh Goes, which was the story of Fred and. Uh, the Fresh Goes Gang going on an outward bound course where they think it's going to be a little bit of luxury at a manor hotel but it but it turns out to be lots of getting shouted at by a Scottish soldier type. 
Nice. Head along to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. And now this. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Show Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about swearing too much. So the story of your life then. That's right. <laughs> this was Addy Rowe playing a difficult customer with Kathy and Bernie and worrying that he was swearing too much. Nope, just right, said Kathy. <laughs> I was Gavin and you were still in the bathtub. This was Helen in the tub too. Yes. Your dad being awake and talking was a cursing a blessing, you said. Yes. Back in Michigan, the house still was, is. was still standing. Peter's continued and inexplicable solo residence at the Rovers is threatened when a stolen bottle bottle of whiskey gets him on Jenny's radar. A chance conversation between Tracy and Nick eventually puts Leanne's plans of spread, spending the week in her jammies pretending to be in France in jeopardy. Dev decides to treat his time-travelling twins on the occasion of their <clears throat> 16th birthday by airbrushing their mother's name from the front of his shop. Asha listens to the advice of Nina and Yasmin, does what she's told, decides to forge her own path and tells ITV Corey that he can keep his birthday present in his trousers. It's musical chairs time for Seb, Emma and Alina as an impending skyscraper forces them to get creative to find new places to live. Ray calls Roy an imbecile and as a result is almost immediately accosted by two masked thugs. Johnny forgets what Jenny smells like. Ali McAllister really should have taken a transfer when he had a chance. Sandra is shown the outside menu. Remember Sandra? No. You don't remember Sandra? She was just the an extra whose only task was to be shown the outside menu by Ray and then was never seen again. Oh. And Ruby's rash is back. Oh, no. Our moment of the week was Dev and Addy dancing when Asha dumped ITV Corey. And our boring moment of the week was Daisy moaning about living with Emma and Alina, which I can't remember her ever doing. Well, that's because the the... They never had to move out because the thing was stopped. Oh, of course. Yeah. They and were all going to move in to Jenny's. All of them were? Well, Emma and Alina were. And at the pub? Yeah. God, I have no memory of that. Yeah. And that was Coronation Street and the Talk of the Street this time last year. So much has changed since then. So much. So much. Shall we dive in, my dear? Alina's gone. Yes, please. Remember last week when you went on about how you hadn't seen Chesney in a while? Did I do that? Yeah. You get I, think the, I, I think I mentioned it once. Yeah, you get the Coronation Street you deserve. <laughs> Our first storyline this morning is painting over the past. On Monday, Pink Speeddal is readying for its grand reopening. Between that and Zidane and Mariam getting back together, Yasmin is about set to soil herself. This gives Mariam time to reflect on all the damage her dad and her brothers caused. Alia tells Ryan that she thinks this is a big mistake, and the truth will out. Outside, Alia and Zidane are arguing about the dishwasher that's still broken. They paid money to get this dishwasher fixed, or well, a new dishwasher. Were, yeah, they were supposed to be getting a new dishwasher, but you know, um, shipping stuff and boats clogging what? the Suez Canal and, and all of that stuff. It's not easy to get big, massive dishwashers delivered on time. From Clint. No, this was before Clint. This is them complaining that the, that the decent one that they were supposed to get wasn't getting delivered on time because the, they didn't have it yet. And that's when that's right. 
Bertie comes up and says, hey, my pal Clint can get you anything you want. He has loads of dodgy contacts for gear like that and has a printer so he can forge receipts and stuff. Says Bernie, like, this is a good thing. Yeah. Alja ignores alarm bells and thinks this is a belter of an idea. I quite, I quite like, though, that the, the dishwasher being broken has been a, a, a theme in the restaurant for a number of weeks now. Right. Because I think that it went kaput before the fire. Yes. Right. So, th- yeah, that's a nice little callback. Yeah. Meanwhile, Yasmin is so pleased with Homeless Stew that she offers him a full-time position at Speedal. This will allow Homeless Stew to save for a deposit on his own flat. Yay! And back at last... And la- he still has a gorgeous head of hair. Such a lush... Lush head of hair. Like a lion's mane. So back at speed dial, Clint can apparently get the industrial dishwasher for a grand. Ryan, Zidane and Alia chat about how they can afford it and decide between them that the best way to pay for this obviously stolen dishwasher is to use Hashim's dirty cash. And Alia remains unconvinced. In Nina's roles, Yasmin asks that Homeless Stew stays at hers until he finds a place to live. Now she's got to know him better, she trusts him implicitly, and she wants to do the right thing by him after her accusations about the restaurant fire, and Homeless Stew is very touched by this. Yes, he is. Ali and Zidane are coming to terms with the dishwasher situation when Yasmin comes into the restaurant wondering if Zidane can explain this big satchel of cash that she found in the attic as she was trying to clean out some space for Homeless Stew. Yes. Who was going to live in the attic. Lots of lots of attic All about action. Virginia Adams, if you ask me. Right, moment. but remember, their attic is really nice. They've they've had work done because that's it was Tim's dad's magic, magic room. Yeah, that's where all the magic happened. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> remember, they crawled through the window in the attic to get on the roof to kill Tim's dad. <laughs> kill Tim's dad. Kill him. Bring him to me. (laughs) Zidane tries to tell her that they talked about this. We talked about this, Gran. Remember the big satchel of cash? He's such a bad gaslighter. This is a great tactic. Alia is so done with this and decides to tell her Gran the truth about where the money really came from. So slowly, the extent of Hashim's terror campaign against Zidane and his haircut comes out. Speedal was used as a hub of money laundering. Yasmin is appalled and the dishwasher seems to be the straw to break her back. This reopening is built on dirty money, she says. Zidane tries to explain that the money never actually stayed in the accounts for any length of time, but Yasmin needs air and she runs away. Zidane tries to blame Alia for all of this. Right, yes. This is your fault for telling us what I've been up to. Yeah. Oh dear. Such a dick. <laughs> Yasmin comes back and wants to know how Zidane laundered the money. She sus that he must have watched her log into the accounts at home. He spied on her. And then she susses that the fire was linked to this too and the potential murder of Homeless Stew. Z and Alia let Homeless Stew take the blame for all of this. All this conversation is done over the world's loudest dishwasher dying. Mm. The Gazette has arrived to interview Yasmin. She talks about how the whole restaurant is based on her father's uh, restaurant in Lahore and how family was the centre of its ethos. Speedal has been more than the business to her because it was also built on family values. And after this, Yasmin has to rush off. Alia and Zidane put it down to the emotion of the situation. Yes. Which I guess is kind of true. Hmm. Just not a very good emotion. No. Alia and Zidane go home to check on Yasmin, but she's locked the door and there's black bagging them, yep. hurtling the bags down from an upstairs window where they fall with the ease of a Tim's dad. 
They go round to the back door, but Yasmin is still fuming about lying to the police, and she tells them both to sling their hooks. She thinks them both despicable, and, Zid- and Zidane blames Alia again. Ugh. It's Bidal, Alia and Zidane are discussing where they're going to spend the night. Zidane sweet-talks Mariam into spending the night at her hotel. Alia has more limited options, especially with her and Ryan only being friends, apparently. But Ryan comes to Alia's rescue, and she can share his room in the B&B at the Rovers. Alia is sure it's only for one night, but then she sees locksmiths working on Yasmin's door, and her grand throws her the filthiest look I have ever seen Yasmin throw. Yes, yes. Oh, she is not happy. No, she is not. She looks like my mum. <laughs> she, yeah, she does a little bit. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> it must be something that they teach you at, at grandmother school. <laughs> I think it just comes naturally, doesn't it? <laughs> but oh, that look of disappointment. Oh. You'd never want your granny to look at you like that. No, you don't. Never. Never. Do you think she's right? Disappointment and anger. I think it's kind of unfair to be putting so much blame on Alia. Who well, of course. Only just found out about it, you know. And at that point, there was there was really nothing they could do, you know, because I I don't understand why they haven't explained. Look, he was threatening your life, you know. We we had no other option mm-hmm. but to do this because he was threatening to kill you. Jasmine says something. I don't know if she said it yet, but she says something where she's not frightened at any man. Mm-hmm. I think Alia and Zidane were trying to protect her because of the whole Tim's dad stuff. Right. Well, Alia especially was. Right. That was reaching its its anniversary. Whereas what they probably should have done is run to tell her rather right. than rather than keeping this from her. Yeah. Make an absolute point of telling her as quickly as possible because yeah. Yasmin might just take care of this shit for you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think Alia did say at one point we need to tell Gran and you know and then we'll figure out how to get out of this and and Zidane was like no no we can't do that Mm because she's this fragile old lady and plus we have no other options because Hashim is such a bad dude right he's so bad he's gonna have a heart attack on our floor terrifying so terrifying he walks into cameras (laughs) on Wednesday morning in Spidal and the restaurant is a mess Zidane thinks tidying up will put them uh, back in Yasmin's good books Learning about the changed locks does nothing to change that opinion. And then Homeless Stew comes in and he's singing a wee song for Yasmin. Yeah, that was cute. It goes on for a bit though, didn't it? It did. Felt like it was like at least half an episode was <laughs> was Homeless Stew thinking of things that rhyme with Yasmin. Right. And she 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 jumps in, it helps him. Well he was struggling. It was cute though. It was cute. Then he and Yasmin if, if she can't if she can't be a lesbian I don't mind her, you know, eventually getting together with Homeless Sue. I think they're... That's that's the way the I show they're, is they're leading. moving in those directions. Yes. Cause, cause Remember the movie and, and the fact that she Googled the movie. Voggled, I think you'll find she did. <clears throat> yeah, she... Uh, there's, uh, there's mention this week of Homeless Sue's family uh-huh. where I'm sure he said just a few weeks ago that he recently split up with his wife and he's lost touch with his family. Right. Whereas this week it when was kind of... Yeah, when he became homeless and initially it was suggested that he hasn't been homeless for very long. Hence the luscious hair and the perfect teeth. Right. A little bit duck under the fingernails mm. when we get a chance to look Correct. at them, but 
that's just uh, a nice touch. Yeah. But I like that homeless stew has become a regular, though. Yeah. It's just, it would be nice if they got his story straight. <laughs> or if he got his story because straight. Because we said at the time, he seems a lot more experienced in being homeless than somebody who's only just recently become homeless. Yeah, and he's managed to keep hold of that guitar and not had to pawn it or anything like that. And yeah, yeah. It, it seemed it seemed like a fairly recent occurrence. But, but he but did this the week, first time say wife, and now it's ex-wife. Right. So I think that feels like it's been mentioned just to clear that up. Right. So it opens the door for a... Stu and Yasmin. For a, for a Stasmin? That'll do. For you. <laughs> yes, I think that needs at least one more syllable. <laughs> so... Yitsu. <clears throat> so then Homeless Junior has been noticed how clean Speedal is and Zidane and Arya jump out. Ta-da! It was us! Forgive us yet! Yasmin tells him both to bolt. Homeless Stu says, you heard the lady. And then he threatens to sing his Yasmin song again. <laughs> so Alia and Zidane make a run for it. Zidane is so clueless because he's constantly saying to her, all right, well, what do I need to do to make it up to you? And she's like, and he says nothing. It, he says it with a sigh as well. Right, That's yeah. how you know that he really means it. Right, yeah. It's, it's so, you know, obviously favoured child for so long that he does not understand when someone is mad at him. Correct. Later, Mariam comes into Speeddal looking for Zidane and she learns from Yasmin that he chucked her grandson out of the house. Is there a problem here, asks Homeless Stu? Because he's the bouncer now at Speeddal. <laughs> Mariam wants to know what's going on. Speak to your husband, says Yasmin. Or better yet, don't and just run a mile. Ali and Zidane are licking their wounds in Nina's rolls when Mariam bursts in, demanding to know what on earth he's done that was so bad that Yasmin kicked him out. Zidane calls it just a small thing that'll blow over, but it's personal and he doesn't want to get into it. It's hard to explain. Mariam is tired of being lied to and maybe getting back together was a mistake because she can't give him the benefit of the doubt. She storms out and Zidane just lets her go. Yes. Back at the restaurant, Zidane tells Alia that he loves Mariam and has decided to tell her some of the truth. Not all of the truth, just selected highlights of it. Alia points out that if he does that, he, she and Ryan could end up in prison. Take your pick between that and get in your consensual hole. Zidane arranges to meet Mariam and Speedal. He's ready to tell her the truth. He doesn't love her. He never really did. He's been pretending because he's that sort of guy, and he also wanted her family's money, which is why Yasmin kicked him out. Sorry, babe. I'm an asshole. Confused and upset, Mariam leaves. So Zidane and Alia watch Mariam get into a black cab and leave the street. Probably for the best for everyone, says Alia, but Zidane, who consistently fails to see himself as a catalyst for this whole chain of events, blames Alia yet again Ugh. for ruining his chances of finding love. He's so uh, awful. Then on Friday, in Nina's rolls, it's Ryan's 30th. Huzzah! But we don't get a chance to talk about it because Zidane wants Ooh. to talk about his Mariam leaving and how neither he nor Alia have money to rent a flat. How have they no money? Yeah, have they not been saving money at all from their paychecks? None? They don't. They both live with their gran. Right. So they don't have really any outgoings. No. How can they not afford? I mean, Emma can afford a flat, right? Well, with Tyrone and. She can afford to find a place to live. Right. And as far as I can see, they haven't even been fucking trying to look for a flat. No. The idea is floated about using dead Hashim's dirty money, but Alia thinks doing so would end things with Gran for good. Yes. 
So it's Speed Dal Yasmin makes it clear to Homeless Stew that she hasn't heard from Alia or Zidane and isn't going to lose any sleep over it. Family is everything, says Homeless Stew, and he urges her to rethink. Except for mine, who I won't even go looking for, <laughs> right. not even my daughter. Right. She, don't you I, think about look? No. No. Don't think about looking for No, them. but family's get, everything. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing, it's family. Right. Yes, he's, Apart he's, from be- he's become, uh, what's his name? Oh, God, what's his name? Are you going to need to give me more than that? The bald guy in the Fast and the Furious movies who's always talking about family. Oh, God, what's his name? Finn Diesel. Oh, I thought you were talking about Rock the Dwayne Johnson. No, he doesn't talk about family. He doesn't just he? likes to beat people up. Finn Diesel doesn't beat people up? Well, he does, but he also talks about family. Oh. I get the sense that Vin Diesel talks about family <laughs> in the Fast and Furious movies. Right, which is more than he does in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies where he just says, I am Groot. Over and over again. <sighs> <laughs> Fucking hell. How did they get away with this? I don't know. So later, Zidane goes to Spidal, telling Yasmin he has nowhere else to go. She asks how many of his friends are still dependent on their grandmothers. You're a big boy, she says. Figure it out. Seriously. He floats the idea of using Dead Hashim's death money, and Yasmin, if anything, gets angrier, accusing right. him of profiteering from poor Mariam's dad dying, and she throws him out of the restaurant. Yeah. He's so clueless. <laughs> In Nina's roles, Clint is just finishing a shite when he runs into Alia and Zidane, still a bit miffed about the dishwasher. They're distracted when Ryan comes in to announce that someone from another storyline has made a donation into another storyline of £29,000. Yes. And they're like, well, that's Gran. Yes. And that's Gran's money. Yep. They remember to knock the Grand off for the dishwasher, which I thought was quite funny. Yes. So they, they only put in 29 as opposed right. to 30. Yes. Oh, wasn't it 50? No, it's 30. Was it 30? Yeah. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a little unfair for Yasmin to be so against Alia, who this... She only accidentally kind of fell into this. She did let Hashim die on their living right, room floor. Yasmin doesn't know about that part. Can you imagine how she's going to feel? If she ever does find out about that part. You think she hasn't put two and two together yet? No, no. It's just about the money. So just a coincidence that he died in their in their house then? Well, yes. I, I don't think that she's assumed that her, her granddaughter has allowed a man, has just stood there and allowed a man to die. Because that doesn't seem like something Alia would do. He was dying anyway, I think, right. wasn't he? Yeah, he was not. They, even if they had called an ambulance, I don't think it would have helped. I still don't understand why they didn't call an ambulance. Because it wouldn't... Well, I think they did, but after the event... Right, yeah, Ryan. It, after, it took Ryan right, to call the ambulance. After Alia had kicked him in the stomach a few times. And <laughs> after she'd hesitated. His nose. But she didn't hesitate for that long. She kind of makes it seem like, you know, if it weren't for her, he'd still be alive. I don't think that's the case. No. We will never know, that's though. That's kind of not how heart attacks work. And that that uh, coronary doctor in another storyline could probably explain that to her. A lot of heart issues on the street. You, you'd think that they'd maybe cut back on the hot pots and the fish and chips. <laughs> it's just too easy. Yeah. It's too easy to give someone even, a heart attack at, a, at even, a high moment of stress. Even like, when the heart condition is fake, it's too easy. Yeah. 
Hashim's heart attack. That was hilarious, wasn't it? It really was. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed watching this pretend man die. I'm not sure we weren't meant to laugh at that. I think that was done for comedy. He was so over the top, <laughs> determined to be <laughs> as Helen. <laughs> well, she's. It's a movie. <laughs> Three words. Fast and the Furious. <laughs> no, he he was so relentlessly despicable. It was camp, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, he might as well have the twirly moustache, right, and the cape. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway, he's dead now. Is Yasmin going to be able to maintain her position on this long term? Do you think? <sighs> She's a gran. I don't know. Uh, well, I think I think they have to genuinely be sorry. And I think Alia and Ryan are genuinely sorry. I don't think Zidane is genuinely sorry yet. No. And we I think it's going to take him. a while. He could, he, he could have been allowed to leave. Yeah. And taking all this business with him. Yeah. Oh, well. What exactly is he bringing to this? I don't know. Not a huge amount. I don't know. I'm really sorry to see... Mariam leave though. Yes, yeah, that that made me sad because she's she's better than Zidane. And, and I kind of get the impression that she was only brought in to leave. Yeah. I don't I don't think she's coming back. I don't get the sense that she's coming back. She left in a black cab, remember? Although that no longer yeah. That's no Roy longer came back after Roy. Roy came back. I don't know. It's just a bit. And we've had people leave forever. Who didn't leave in a black cab. Yeah. But at least they got the dishwasher fixed at the end. So that's, <laughs> that's the main thing there. Our next storyline this morning is Tim's Health MOT. On Monday, Tim gets home after spending the night at work. Sally has worn out two stress balls with worry. He reiterates that he loves her and he fancies her and he puts everything down to having a stressful day. Later, Aggie catches up with Tim. He apologises for the way that he spoke to her. And Aggie more cares about Tim's health and they go off for a cuppa. And they go for a couple back at Aggies, which I thought was quite... Interesting. And, yeah. Yeah. I had that whole thing last week where I was absolutely convinced that, well, there's absolutely nothing going on here. Right. And I don't think there's anything going on. And there isn't. But why did they go to her house as opposed to the calf, which is where people go to have a cuppa? Right. I don't know. Yeesh. So they go back to Aggie's and she cuts through the bullshit. She knows Curtis's heart doctor guy pretty well and suggests that she tries to get an appointment today for Tim to listen properly this time mm-hmm. and get this taken care of once and for all. Yes. So they go back to the hospital. Tim looks for an excuse to leave, but Aggie threatens to bite his throat out if he tries anything. <laughs> so he begins to hum little Willie. He does. <laughs> Tim gets a rundown of the triple bypass from Curtis's heart doctor. A six hour op... A week in the hospital and 12 weeks off work. Tim looks like the news is about to give him a heart attack. <laughs> the, doc <laughs> tells him, <laughs> the doc tells him to wait at home for his letter to get a date. Mm-hmm. Aggie drops Tim off round the corner from his house. She tells him that the tough part of her job is seeing people who have no one to care for them. Don't take this opportunity to care and love for him away from Sally. What a horribly constructed sentence that was. 
basically what she's saying is Sally wants to love and care for you. Don't take that opportunity away from her by right. keeping her in the dark about this. Right. Which really was a nice thing to say. Yes. Despite how I have expressed that. Right. Yeah. And that she sees people all the time in the hospital who have no one to care for them. Right. For one reason or another. And that's horrible to watch and see. Yes. Yeah. So Tim goes home with every intention of telling Sally, but he's interrupted when she gets a call to let her know that Sophie has been in a moped accident in Crete and has broken her wrist. So he keeps his mouth shut. On Wednesday, Sally needs to release some of the tension from the last few days and suggests firing up the hot tub. Tim pretends to remember that he has a pickup that he promised to do, so her soak will have to be solo, and he leaves. Jenny and Sally bump into each other in the street. And Jenny lets it slip that she saw Tim earlier with a massive bunch of flowers. Yes. Having an affair big, that size of big flowers. Right, yeah. Not just a, sorry that I burnt the dinner, size of flowers. Mm. I've had an affair. Sally mentions some of the problems they've been having, but looks touched that Tim is at least trying to make amends. And they have like this cute little girly conversation where, where Sally asks after Jenny's new Jenny's new man, Leo. Leopold, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Apparently things are going... Fairly well in that regard. She's taking, it, she's taking it easy, though. Yeah, she's taking it slow, but so far so good. Yeah, they're not at the blaming the dog for farting right. stage of the relationship. Yes, I thought that was funny. That apparently Sally and Tim are at. Right, even though they don't have a dog. Right, that doesn't stop Tim. No. But Tim has bought the flowers for Aggie as a thank you. <laughs> she's pissed that this likely means that he hasn't told Sally about his heart operation. Timing is everything says Tim and he asks Aggie to keep his secret for a little bit longer. Tim gets home. Which Aggie agrees to and then says that she'll lie to Ed about where she got the flowers from. Yeah. She's going to say that she got the flowers from a patient. Right. Which Aggie has no reason to lie to Ed about where the flowers came from. No. And in lying to Ed about where the flowers came from, that makes it look more suspicious that something's going on between Aggie and Tim. As if Ed's going to notice. <laughs> he notices some things. Well, if the plot dictates, but Ed wouldn't notice that. Oh, nice flowers. That wasn't a bad Ed impression. It was a terrible Ed impression. <laughs> but not a bad one. I think terrible is worse than bad. Well, thank you for clearing that up. You're welcome. Doctor Impressions. <laughs> Tim has no business giving Aggie flowers here. <clears throat> it's one thing... It's one thing to... In fact, this whole kind of friendship just is, is built on sand here. It, it exists for the wrong reasons because Tim should be telling Sally about this. Correct. So the fact that Tim has gone to the doctors not once... But twice, twice with Aggie. And, and now agreed flowers. and now has agreed to this triple bypass surgery. And still not told Sally about right. it. Oh, this isn't Tim. I, I don't I don't buy this. So Tim gets home and immediately wants to go to bed. Sally tries to probe Tim about the flowers without But not like that. <laughs> don't don't not again. <laughs> without actually saying so but he ignores it and heads up the stairs of discovery ignoring a great opportunity to tell her the truth correct because he doesn't want to tell her the truth because she's still worried about sophie mm -hmm. on friday though it's good news sophie's insurance will cover her greek operation but not like that 
Ha ha. has had enough of pussy footing around us and demands our fucking flowers. But not the ones, like that. The ones that Jenny saw him buy. He lies and says they were for a driver at work who's retiring. You don't know him, he says. He lives in Canada. <laughs> Sally spots a leaflet calling for a ban on Weather County's new training ground and quickly deduces that Tim must have told Gary, who must have told Marie about that. And really? she is not happy about it. Did you it's tell Marie like about this? Over a no. Month ago. Did you tell Marie about this? No. Did you tell Gary? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite funny. Yeah, that was funny. Peter bumps into Tim in the street with news that one of their fellow county fans, Potty Mouth Graham, has had a heart attack. Tim takes offence that Peter thinks that he should know about all the heart attacks in the area. So <laughs> that, Peter, was, that was kind of funny. So Peter tracks Tim's down to Nina's rolls. And I Tim, wonder if the Potty Mouth guy lives with the uh, Glass Eye guy. No, because he lives quite far away. Oh, okay. He was down in Portsmouth, I think. I just love that there are these tertiary characters somewhere in the ether who have very distinct personality traits mm-hmm. that we'll never get to see, but they're funny nonetheless. One guy has a glass eye, another guy has Tourette's. <laughs> Peter tracks Tim down to Nina's rolls and Tim apologises for snapping and eventually tells Peter about his upcoming triple bypass. Peter is shocked and guesses that he hasn't told Sal. Peter t- begs Tim to do the right thing and tell his bloody wife about all this. Seriously. So Tim gets home and somehow as he walks through a door that he and Sally walk through multiple times each day, he knocks his wedding photo off the sideboard and it smashes on their carpeted floor. Oh, pig's tits, says Tim. Correct. It was like, it, it looked like it had been moved slightly and that it was like on a corner of a table. The door hit the sideboard. Yeah, why? Why now does it's, it hit the sideboard? It's never done that before. Hmm. Sally arrives at the Rovers where Maria is hanging out with Jenny and they immediately start arguing about the county training ground and Maria's duplicitous use of Gary to probe Tim for information. And I like that. Maria accuses Sally of taking backhanders and Jenny is the top bitch here though, shuts them both up and reminds them of other more important storylines that are going on at the moment. Yes. So Sally gets home, still in the mood from their argument with Maria and when Tim asks what's for dinner, he tells her Italian, get your own which was, I thought. I thought that was I lovely. I thought that was beautiful. It was. Because <laughs> now I think Tim was probably ready to tell her, right? But she's in such a foul mood that yeah. that, that he doesn't. No. So he maybe was he me should last have made, week. Maybe he should have made dinner if he was right. ready to tell her. So here I was last week thinking if he doesn't tell her on Monday, I'm going to be unhappy, and in an entire week. Has gone by. Has gone by and he hasn't said a word about yeah. it. Yeah. I'm unhappy. But now, but now Peter knows. Right, yeah. So think how Sally's going to feel when she finally does find out. Because she's going to find out that Aggie knows and not be happy about it. Yeah. And she's going to find out that Peter knows and not be happy about it. But it's going to get to the point where the entire street knows. Right. Apart from Sally. Yeah. <laughs> who do you think is Who do you think is going to find out next? Do you think Peter will tell Carla? Peter will tell Carla. Of course. Surely. And then Carla might tell Maria. Oh. Nah, I don't... Why would she? Because plot. Carla and Maria don't really hang out, though. Well, they're family. Eh. I can see them chatting about it. I can see Carla telling Jenny. Oh, yes. And Jenny telling Maria. Yes. Everyone's going to know apart from Sally. It's so wrong. It is wrong. It's very wrong. Wrong diddly wrong wrong. I would kill you. Right. I mean, I might not tell you, but I don't tell anybody else. <laughs> Keep it to myself. You tell Steve. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, I would tell Steve. I haven't, though. <laughs> and I don't. A triple bite? No, something that serious? Yeah. No. You'd, you'd have to... Because you couldn't drive yourself to the hospital. And you couldn't drive yourself home. Well, uh, yeah, I could drive myself to it. I don't think I could drive myself from it. And you'd but be in the hospital for, like, a week. And then be convalescing for... Three months. weeks. He's got to tell Sally at some point because she's the one who's going to have to carry the burden of uh, the bills and stuff while he's out of work. Is he planning to tell her? As he's being wheeled into the operating room. Day off. Oh, Sally deserves so much better. I just don't like the way that they're setting up this accusation of Aggie and Tim having an affair. Oh, I don't think they've really come out and mm. do you? Do you think that do you think that they're being obvious about this? I don't think they've been obvious I think about they're it. They're being obvious about this with the whole flowers thing. And the fact that, oh, somebody just happened to see Tim with the flowers beforehand. So Sally's going to get the wrong end of the stick and think that Tim's having an affair with Aggie? Yeah, because let's remember, the Sally thinks that Tim has gone off her. That's what she thinks is going on here. Right. Because Sally. Right. I'm still not sure that that's a plausible plot point to take for Sally. But one's a man and one's a woman. This is a soap opera. It's plausible. True. All right. Well, we'll see how that develops then. Good to see that... Uh, Curtis's doctor got another extension, another weekly extension yes. to his to his contract. Yes. <laughs> he has a secretary, apparently. She's the one who makes all the appointments. Moving on then, our next storyline is Lessons with Faye. Just from Monday, just a few scenes. At the flat, Tyrone is off for a run with Craig, which allows Faye and Emma to talk about dead Ted. Emma is fretting about the delivery guy. Faye is sure forensics will have hold of her fake nail by now. And she suggests staying cool. And then gently probing Craig. And I like that. Just with a tip to find out the extent of the investigation. Craig fell over his ankle during his run and to face shock, Tyrone fetches him dead Ted's crutch that for whatever reason Emma has failed to dispose of. And even though it's way too short for him, Craig still uses it to hobble to get his ankle checked out. Right. And then even though he goes to the hospital... To get his ankle checked out, he still insists upon using this. It brings it back. Too short, you know. And old wooden crutch. Face like tried to get him to get some metal ones. No, this is fine. No. It's been in somebody else's sweaty armpit for God knows how long. That's fine. It's Craig is back and signed off work for two weeks. Thank God you had this crutch. He tells Emma, and he hops back to the flat. With Craig laid up for two weeks, Emma's now worried that they've lost their inside track to the dead Ted investigation. Oh well, says Faye, and then Craig comes hobbling in. He spotted the initials carved into the crutch that we saw last week. What a fascinating mystery, and he reckons that he'll try to solve it while he's off work. And that's as far as we get with that. So yeah. we have this kind of rear say, window. But didn't you say you didn't want to be a detective? Didn't you say you didn't like detectiving? Didn't you just say that people have mentioned that you're shite? at detecting and therefore you should never try it again <laughs> you are better at sitting here on the couch and watching tv right <laughs> but craig's got a wee bee in his bonnet about this he does and i think since he started getting his hole recently i think he's got a little bit of bravado about him as well where he wants to prove himself to 
to Faye that he's oh. he's manly and is capable of solving mysteries with even just the <laughs> the merest hint of a clue where right. we have three letters carved onto a onto a crutch. Yeah. Which I can't even remember what they were, but it was T something, wasn't it? T for Ted. T for Ted. T for Dead Ted. Ted Dead. Right. I'm 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 happy we didn't get much of the storyline this week. Oh, me too. Because it's so horrible. I still feel bad for poor Dead Ted. They'll never forget him. No, especially since that actor will probably be used again in about six months. Yeah, he'll he'll be the next supplier to the cabin. Right, he'll pop up again. Mm-hmm. Faye is, is sure that they'll be taking apart the, the plumbing for that flat to find in amongst all the Goo. bits of food and detritus that there's one one nail that they can't account for. This isn't Ted's colour. Why would he have this, we wonder? Uh, yeah, again, we're, we're inflating the, the importance of this dead old man found in his flat. Mm-hmm. There must be suspicious circumstances. Therefore, you know, everything is everything right. becomes evidence when it's right. not. Oh, it's very frustrating. <sighs> yes. Let's move on then. Please. Our next storyline this morning is Summer Wind. The summer, summer Breeze. Wind. Makes me feel fine. On Monday, Addie meets Summer outside the florist. She's stressed up to her eyeballs about her Oxford offer, which she should be hearing from soon. She's worried that being worried about the Oxford offer is going to affect the Oxford offer. In Nina's roles, Roy is chatting to Summer about Oxford being the oldest university in the English-speaking world, and Summer worries that Oxford being the oldest university in the English-speaking world will affect her Oxford offer. Then Summer's laptop pings, It's Oxford! With an offer. Or a decline. At home, Summer announces to Billy and Paul that she has a conditional offer. Yeah, Paul's there. Yep, they celebrate. Not Todd, though. Why would Todd be there? Because Todd is technically... They hate Todd. I know, but Todd is technically still a paternal unit for Summer. Yes? They hate Todd. We all hate Todd. Well, we don't hate Todd now. We kind of love Todd now. Yeah. They celebrate, but she's not happy. Conditional on her exam results. She doesn't think this is anything worth celebrating. Yeah, because she, she's been known to fail exams. I remember being asked by one of my friends. Uh, so this is talking about like 1990s. 1990s. The early 1990s as well, where my friend Finlay got me to phone up one of his friends to pretend to be the university that he'd applied for to explain that there'd been an actual mistake and rather than giving them the unconditional offer, which is what he got, they meant to send a conditional offer. Why would you do that? Well, I didn't really know what any of that meant. So I just did as I was told. But it didn't take it very well. No, no. Seemed to be quite upset by it. Why would Ian do that to someone? Finlay. I don't think you've met Finlay. Oh, so it's not Ian Finlay. No. It's a different Finlay. Finlay Craig. Yeah, lots of people with... uh, (laughs) First names for their first and last name. I actually knew somebody called uh, Craig Finlay. And I knew Finlay Craig. And I knew Craig Finlay as well. Scotland. Right. Home of the palindromic names. (laughs) Not gnomes. There's no gnomes involved here. There may be. On on Wednesday, Addie meets up with someone in Nina's roles and catches her looking up 
20 fun things to do in Oxford on her laptop, which makes Summer worry that looking up 20 fun things to do in Oxford will ruin her chances with Oxford. Amy comes in, they says talk- hi to Addy, and then totally blanks Summer. Right. And and Summer is excited about a house with a shark sticking out of it, mm-hmm. because apparently there's a house with a shark sticking out of it in Oxford, because right. apparently Oxford is now Miami Beach. Addy catches up with Amy outside and reminds her of how she and Summer used to be such good friends and recommends that she does something to get back to that. Amy is still a bit hurt about the Daniel thing, but promises to try, especially when she hears that uh, Summer has a an offer from Oxford. A conditional offer. So later, Amy sees Summer going to her flat, but she's wearing headphones so doesn't hear her calling her. Upstairs, Summer thinks that she has the flat to herself and empties a big bag of chocolate onto the, the counter just as Amy comes up the stairs and catches her. But Amy is chill about it. Hey, it's your body. But someone who's worried that eating too much chocolate will affect her Oxford offer claims that she bought them for Billy's soup kitchen. The two of them make friends again and Amy gets Summer's help on her personal statement because <laughs> she's still going to University College London. Mm-mm. Yes, because they don't need to worry about Curtis anymore. London! London. There we go. Thank you. Jesus. <laughs> Finally... Summer gets a moment on her own at home and gets wired into her drawer chocolate. Your beauty, she seems to say. <laughs> on Friday, Amy is round at Summer's revising, but Amy wants to talk about boys. Who is it that you fancy? Do you fancy Simon? Do you fancy Addy? Or do you fancy Dylan Mycock? Imagine walking around with the last name Mycock. I'm just thankful that his first name isn't Duncan. It could be worse. His name could be Mike Hunt. It could be Mike Hunt. Yes. Or Mark Hunt. I think Mike Hunt is worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, there are people with that name. There are. They're walking around this world. Just like regular people. Yes. You'd you'd want to be known as Michael. I think so. Yes. (laughs) One would hope. Yeah, Dylan Mycock. It was said a couple of times. Yeah. At least his name was Dylan. <laughs> and not... Duncan. Or Robin. Robin. Yeah, Robin Mycock. <laughs> we are children. Are there any others? I'm sure <sighs> are. Kevin Mycock? No, that's fine. Sitting on Mycock. That's not a name though, Helen. You know that's not a name. There's nobody called sitting on... <laughs> You never know. Apple's a thing. Apple, my cock? No. Duncan, I think, is the best one. Robin is a good one, though. Yeah, Robin, my cock. That's a good one. On because cur- I thought on, of it. On the curtains. Yeah. Well. <sighs> a yet another tertiary character we're never actually going to meet. If you can think of any other amusing <laughs> first names to go with the last name Mycock, drop us a line to talk of the street at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> I've lost, totally lost my place now. Oh, they're talking about boys. Right. Yeah. Billy comes in they're from. playing an- Fuck Mary Kill with Addy Simon. Fuck and- Mary? Fuck Mary Kill. Kill Mary? Mary, M-A-R-R-Y, oh, not Mary. M-A-R-Y. Fuck, Mary, kill. Haven't you ever played David, Fuck, Mary, so kill? It so sounds like you're saying fuck, Mary. 
And then kill her. Her last name's Kill. <laughs> Goes to the same pediatrician as Dylan Mycock. What the fuck am I even talking about? And Summer chooses Dylan Mycock. <laughs> I wonder if people call him Pickle. Right, that's exactly what I was thinking. I think we've got maybe five minutes out of the whole Mycock thing. Let's move on. Okay. Billy comes in from another storyline to be reminded that Summer has a hospital appointment today, but she'd rather go with Amy. Well, thanks very much for nothing, says Billy. At the hospital, Summer has checked out well, but she apparently missed one of her tests last night for her diabetes that she has. Mm. Summer claims to have just forgotten that she was revising for Oxford and not stuffing her face with chocolate. Right. Leaving the hospital, Amy and Summer bump into Jacob, who looks like he's been kicked to fuck. Yes. Amy is still angry about what happened to Simon and Natasha, but Jacob swears that that's not down to him anymore because he's not in that gang. That's why he's been beat up. And he has the bruises to prove it. Nobody cares. (laughs) Back on the street, Amy, Asha and Summer are finishing lunch in the community garden and they're heading back to school when Amy sees Max looking at something dodgy on his phone. The girls are shocked to discover it's an upskirt photo and then Summer is further shocked to discover that the skirt the photo is up it's hers. You filthy little incel prick, shouts Amy, helpfully. Max insists that he didn't take it, he was just sent it, and he slinks off while the girls discuss what to do. Amy is gung-ho for telling the police and the school shit like this needs to be punished, but Summer isn't sure. But Amy insists it's a crime and needs to be treated as such. So Amy finds Max at Maxine's bench, and he tells her, I've got fade written down. <laughs> but, I, but I changed it in my head Good job And now I'm telling you about it He tells her that he gets 10 of these things a day It's not a big deal It'd be a big deal if it was your skirt You fucking shitbag says Amy yeah. And she promises that she's going to make sure That everyone who handled that photo And sent it on Gets suspended all the way to fuck Summer's nerves are shot to shite enough Right And this last bit seems to actually bring true Max a bit Yes Later Summer's talking to Addy about the upskirt thing Addy knew about it but hasn't seen it and doesn't know who took it. Summer's upset when Billy comes out wanting to know what's up. She says it's too embarrassing and he wouldn't understand, so try me, he says. And upstairs, Billy agrees that this is a police matter, but he has to rush off for an important Christian business. This leaves Summer alone in the flat, and she immediately gets wired and it's some of that drawer chocolate. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Summer cannot catch a break. How? How, during a pandemic, when you're supposed to be six feet away from one another, is somebody getting close enough to unobtrusively get an upskirt photo? Could be at school. Right, but still, they're supposed to be, there's supposed to be enough room. How, are they packing them in so tightly in the hallway that somebody could just go? No, I'm like sitting at a desk across from each other. You yeah. You could easily take the photograph from under the, under the desk. If, if. If it's somebody sitting across from her at a desk, they'd have to go like this. Yeah. And that would be noticeable. Well, they don't need to go like this because, look, I can do it and I'm not even moving out of the microphone range like you are. And I'm taking a photograph up your skirt right now. Well, you're not because the skirt would be... The skirt covers her knees. Don't they have... I don't know. Kids these days like to wear shorter skirts, don't Yes, they? but they have a uniform. They have a uniform skirt that would be longer than that. I don't think it's that long. I I would imagine it would be because Steli has to do the fingertip test. That's not Steli's school that we're talking about. Yeah, but if a public school in Michigan is making girls do the fingertip test and saying no, you can't wear shorts this short, I'm sure a fancy schmancy English school where it's kids not fancy have- schmancy is a comprehensive. 
It's fancier and schmancier than a public school in Michigan. Very unlikely. Because <laughs> we don't have to wear uniforms. Uniforms means fancy. No, uniforms, uniforms are a good thing because it means that you don't need to worry about what to wear for school. Right. But that tends to be just across the board. Right. My school was a uniform school and that certainly wasn't fancy. Fancier than eating rabbits. But anyway, I digress. It just, it seems like, it seems like piling on an upskirt story when we're already on the summer is diabetic and shoving chocolate in her face and also bulimic because she's making herself throw up. I think, are we piling too much on to poor Summer's shoulders here? Are we piling on to Summer or are we piling on to Max? Because Max is becoming a bit of a pervert. Yeah, but he's not the one who took the photo. So he says. Yeah, I don't think he has. I think honestly that he hasn't. That he's maybe not him. taken that photograph, but he seems to react to it with such blase abandonment right. that he's probably guilty of taking some of them. Yeah, it seems like all of the boys except for Addy, because Addy is a treasure, kind of have this, well, it's not it's not that big of a deal. Well, Addy has Asha to look back on in that right. whole, whole situation, yes, which, also, which they do draw attention to the fact that it's a little bit similar. Yes. But I and like also, the fact that they're drawing attention to this. I think this is, this is sending out a really good message that this is illegal. Yes. And it isn't fun. No. And some are... Who, even without the hassle of being diabetic and without the hassle of Oxford and without the hassle of Daniel... And bulimia. It would still be, for her, such an embarrassment and 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 the sort of thing where you, you read about stories like this where it goes to extreme lengths where yes. the, the effect of this can have horrible uh, consequences to it. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think it's great that this has been uh, been highlighted and that, that it's been just dropped in here as a little bombshell to yes. this. I don't mind that it's being highlighted and, and I agree with you that it's an important thing to bring up. I just think that maybe it should be done with one of the other girls and not the girl that's already been pi- having all of these other storylines, which are also important and valid. Mm-hmm piled on top of her you know the whole bulimia thing and the whole you know diabetes thing she's gonna end up in hospital well who else could it be because it couldn't be asha because we've already had the the naked video thing it can't be amy because amy would kill right but maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a good thing maybe we should explore a little bit of Amy's personality above and beyond the kill stuff because, you know, deep down, yes, she'd be angry and yes, she'd be the one to like, because she is being the one to like champion, this is bad, this is wrong. Right. But she would also be embarrassed and she would also feel violated. And it would be interesting to explore Amy a little bit more deeply than that. Right. You know? Because Amy hasn't really had a storyline since the whole pregnancy thing, which was like two years ago. Why do we need to pile onto Summer? Why, why does it have to be, okay, we're piling onto Asha, piling onto Asha, piling onto Asha. Now we're done with Asha. We've spent Asha. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to pile onto Summer and pile onto Summer and pile onto Summer. Even Kelly would have been a better choice, I think, because with Kelly... 
if it happened, you know, she'd be embarrassed, she'd be upset. And I, I feel like there would be some people who'd be like, oh, why do you care? I'm sure you've done worse. Yeah, there'd be slut shaming. Right. Yeah, which would be an interesting aspect to explore as opposed to sweet, innocent, virginal Summer, mm-hmm. who's so terribly embarrassed and has all of this other stuff going on, you know? I don't know. I just, it just, it feels like they, they choose one girl to pile on and then just pile on all of the horrid stuff. Yeah, I don't really mind that it's, that it's Summer. I do take your point, though, that there are important aspects to her storyline where this kind of dilutes all that a little bit. Yes. We, we don't get to really explore one of them all that far because there's we're, we're juggling, we're spinning so many horrible plates for her at the moment that right. we, we need to, to spend time. Because here we have her Oxford stuff. The Daniel stuff was mentioned this week mm-hmm. as a kind of recurring embarrassment for her. Right. The... Uh, the diabetes stuff was mentioned mm-hmm. and the bulimia stuff was mentioned right and now we have the upskirt thing so it's yes. like there's like almost half a dozen things right that are going on for her at the same time and again i kind of feel that the pressure of this is going to have some consequence to it absolutely and and that's it's kind of horrible to see it coming you know we had back when we started this the, the aiden thing where the uh, the the aspects of his life that were pushing him towards what he eventually did were kind of almost undetectable and undetectable in their isolation as well. So it wasn't right. like a, this builds on to this, builds on to this, builds on to this, or it didn't really come across that way. But here we have, here we have a teenage girl who is having these things building up and building up and building mm-hmm. up. And it feels, it feels almost like this isn't, been done as a this is an important storyline that, that we want to tell you about but as a this is another thing that is now uh on summer's back and how much more of this can she take before something breaks right and again maybe maybe we don't need that maybe just having because the she's already endangering herself with the chocolate right and the bulimia is she still thrown up? Well, one would assume that she is still throwing up and that she's still kind of obsessed about being as skinny as possible. Because we've skipped over that bit and we've skipped over the... the uh, looking... And that's my complaint, is that, you know, you, you think with seeing her binging yeah, that there would the be... They're bit. missing the purging bit. And while I don't mind not hearing a girl throw up in the bathroom, there were ways to imply it without sound effects. Yeah, I think if we saw her maybe checking her checking her belt again or something that right. just kind of jogs your Or just flushing the toilet that. and coming out and wiping her mouth. Right, you know. Something. Yeah. It's, it's just... I'm very interested to know where this is going though because I think so far, so far it's been handled with the kind of shock and outrage that I think it deserves and I'll be really keen to see where it's going to go next week. I think I saw a little bit of it because I changed some graffiti that I saw to right. Mr. Osborne as a fanny. Yes. But I think we seem to be going in the direction where Amy's continuing championing, championing of yes. this is going to have some, right. uh, so, so draw some heat and light to the whole situation, right. which I think is and and is maybe worthwhile. And maybe we will find out that the other girls have had this done to them as well. Right. And we'll see how... 
people it react. A collective, a me too re- sort of thing. People react to different girls and how they react differently and how the right. girls react differently. Yeah. That will make it much more interesting than just piling on to summer. Our penultimate storyline this morning is Shona's cabin fever. <laughs> I, did, I did like this. It was a nice little interlude. And it was essentially that. On Wednesday, for some reason, today is the day that Jenny decides to tell Rita how to run her life when she starts sticking her nose into cabin business, under the impression that Brian isn't doing his fair share and Rita tells her to mind her own beeswax. Right, and then they get Addy to take in the boxes. Yeah. And he does, very nicely, because Addy is a treasure. Yeah, Jenny's like, I'll take care of that. Hoy, Addy, go take care of that. (laughs) So Jenny finds Brian and Kathy in Nina's roles planning a holiday and she gives them a hard time for abandoning poor Rita it was Rita's idea, protests Cathy, and it's only for a couple of days. Oh, well, says Jenny, stop holding your piss then, and she storms out. But Brian and Cathy agree to arrange cover. Right. Shona has invited Rita in for a cup of tea, but doesn't tell Rita why. Then Brian comes in and explains his encounter with Jenny, and Shona has offered to stand in for him while he and Cathy are away. So Rita explains the processes in the cabin and how Shona will be on her own on Monday because Rita has plans to be trapped under a Christmas tree. With her dentist. So you can expect (laughs) chaos then. On Friday, meanwhile, as other more important storylines are going on, Shona meets with Gordon, the guy who supplies the cabin with its sweeties. He's a bit of a gobshite, but Shona obviously doesn't give a fuck about humouring him, but he wants his tea and jammy dodgers, thank you very much. And it's funny because he was not like this the other day with Rita. Did we see him the other day? Yeah, because he had just dropped these boxes off with Rita when Jenny came over oh, that's and right. started yelling. That's where the boxes came from. Yes. <laughs> I miss things. You do. So Shona has taken all she can <laughs> and chases gobshite Gordon out of the shop. You're too busy with your graffiti. Jenny catches us and tells her that Rita and Brian depend on good relations with their suppliers. Oh, pigs, tits, says Shona. Also, shut up, Jenny. But later, it turns out that Rhea has tolerated Gordon for 25 years. If only she'd known that telling him he's a boring shite would have shut him up, she'd have said something decades ago. Yes. And Shona seems to have fit in quite nicely at the cabin. Huzzah! That's as far as we get with that. Correct. Yeah, I like Shona having yet another job. How many is that she's got now? She works at Nina's Rolls. She does. She works opening your ginger ale. She does does a very good job of that she doesn't work at the factory no okay so this is only her second job she doesn't have more than one for some reason i thought she had more than one and it's only temp oh she works at uh oh no you've said nina rolls yeah that's that's her only job so she works at nina rolls and she works at the cabin now and then she works in the cafe that that's that's the same thing and then she works at roy's that's the same thing right do you think, because we're, I'm, I'm trying to think, is this putting her in a customer service role, what we're going to do to, to try and rip some humour out of the fact that she speaks her mind? Well, but she already does that yeah, at the cafe. Yeah, she already does that at the cafe. I thought it was interesting that she remembered something from her child, a distinct memory from her childhood this week, because she remembered, she remembered her friend who's whose dad ran a paper shop and she always wanted to run a paper shop because her they got free sweeties do you not remember any of this conversation she had with rita no (laughs) what is wrong with you i I tend to switch off in rita's one 
Shame on you. We don't get much, Rita, these days. I know. <sighs> we don't get much Brian or Kathy. It was nice to see them. It was lovely to see Brian and Kathy. When was the last time... Was the last time we saw Brian and Kathy Norris's funeral? No, because we saw them briefly at Christmas, but we didn't we? Weren't they in the... They were in the... They were part of the ensemble. Yeah, they yeah. were part of the ensemble. They weren't really a part of a storyline. I think the last time we had a storyline was with uh, Kathy's uh, trolling, remember? Right, and then Norris's funeral. It looks like they fixed the guy with the head. That was fixed the next day. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> annoys me. It should still have its head cut off. That would be funny. And then, like, they could just, like, plop, like, a doll head or something on top of it. Right. Or the head could change depending right. on the weather. <laughs> or the holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you're going to see more of Shona in the cabin? Yes. I think Rita and Shona make a good pair. I think Shona will fast become yet another one of Rita's adopted daughters. Yeah, I don't think Shona's in need of being adopted. No, but it's nice. Because who else does she have as an older woman to, Gail. you know. Yeah, that's Audrey. great. Audrey. Sure. <laughs> yeah, those two are great role models. Gail to tell a lot about uh, bad marriages and Audrey to go drinking with. <laughs> For more do you need. And then Gail to get annoyed that the two of them are drinking. Our final storyline this morning is one of our Josephs is missing. <laughs> On Monday at Chesney's, Joseph is begging someone to listen to him about money that he needs for a school trip. Yes. And also he's got a tear at his jumper. I've got to say, right up front here. This was always going to happen. Yeah. It's it's remarkable that it's taking so long. That, yes. But Joseph was always going to be shunned by his own family because of the quads and the money issues that the, right. they've been having because they couldn't just keep their fucking mouth shut and take the Freshco's money. And also, apparently, having three grown adults in that house, all of them with more than one job, is not enough to keep that house running, with, apparently. With five children in it. Right. Right. What? But... The, they've taken the time with Dev this. Dev must be very, very bad at paying a fair wage because he employs two of them. Yeah. But Joseph's little downtrodden Oliver Twist is brilliant. It's, it's just brilliant. Right. Because he's such, he's such a wee little cutie patootie with all those freckles. I know. So nobody's going to listen to him. Chesney and Gemma are more concerned about Alad and the fact that... Uh, uh, Joseph has worn a hole in his jumper. Nothing that a bit of sellotape can't fix, says Gemma. Sellotape being sticky tape. Yes. Imagine fixing a hole in a jumper with sticky tape. I mean, you might as well scream that you have no money. Well, the the hole on its own kind of screams that. Uh, the fact that it's fixed with sticky tape, I think, takes it to the next level. Outside, Joseph tries again to ask for money, but the only cash Chesney has is for his parking at the hospital... Fizz comes along and suggests that Joseph spend some time with Hope. Chess still has sand under his foreskin about this, but has to relent because he doesn't have any childcare options. <laughs> so Hope and Joseph are being adorable and chatting on the couch. It seems Joseph is getting bullied at school, his jumper has fallen to pieces, and he still hasn't been able to pay for his school trip. 
Hope has been looking after her cousin and reckons that she knows a way to solve some of his problems. So when Fizz is taking care of the garbage, Hope hands Joseph Fizz's purse and tells him to help himself. He's still on to the purse when Fizz comes back in. What the actual fuck are you doing, she says. Yes, she does. So Joseph runs upstairs where he has a quick bath and he comes downstairs <laughs> and takes full responsibility for his actions. Hope has told Fizz about some of the bother Joseph has been getting and she agrees to pay for the trip. But if he pulls the stunt again, Fizz will be forced to let Hope kill him. <laughs> Later, and Hope kind of growls. Yes. Later, Chesney and Gemma drag Fizz out of work to shout at her for paying for Joseph's trip. I know. Fuck them. Right. <laughs> it's like I finally went to go pay for it and they said you'd already paid for it. It's like, well, it's the last day. But I like Fizz, who actually draws attention to this and says, you, you pulled me out of work for this? Right. Fizz says, maybe if Joseph didn't try to nick the money out of my purse, I wouldn't have had to do so. So fuck right. y'all. Yeah, Absolutely. At home, Gemma tells Joseph that Chesney said that he'd pay for the trip. Chesney says a lot of things, says Joseph, <laughs> who isn't in the mood to take any other shite. Fuck your school trip. Fuck you. And fuck the quad, says Joseph. And he runs upstairs for another bath. Back at home, Fizz finds out from Hope how bad Joseph's school life is. Hope is his bodyguard from the bullies. Yes. So Fizz meets up with Ches at Nina Rolls and explains about the Joseph bullies. He thinks Joseph is making up to get out of trouble. Oh, fuck him! Why is he such a dick to his kid? But Fizz insists that Joseph has dropped off the radar and deserves to be believed. On Wednesday, Gemma is excited to tell Joseph that she's put a tangerine in his packed lunch. Yes. Surely the fruit of the fiscally challenged school child. Chesney wants to grass up Ben and Callum, Joseph's bullies, but Joseph thinks it'll make matters worse. Please tell him, she says to Gemma. So Gemma makes Chesney promise to keep his mouth shut. So Chesney takes Joseph to school and comes back home and says, Hey Gemma, remember how I promised Joseph I wouldn't tell his teacher about Ben and Calm? Well, I thought, fuck it, and I told him anyway. Now, what's for lunch? <laughs> Gemma reckons that Joseph will get beaten up about this. Good job, ass. Hope and Joseph are having lunch together on their school trip when Mrs Anderson comes along to say thanks to Chesney, she's had a word with Ben and Callum and they've promised that they were only trying to help when they called him a povo little shite bag. No harm done, okay? What's wrong with that teacher? That's a bad teacher. Later, Joseph noisily gets home, and boy is he pissed. Gemma and Chesney grind his gears about waking the quads, but he couldn't give a fuck. Seriously. Thanks for breaking your promise, ass, says Joseph, <laughs> and he storms off outside, pledging vengeance on the pair of them. <laughs> and later, Chesney goes out to the yard to apologise to Joseph. He's built a little den with some blankets and stuff outside. Right. But when he checks, Joseph isn't there, and the gate to the ginnel is off the latch. Joseph is gone. Yes. And at this point, I'm thinking... Run far and run long, <laughs> young Joseph. Chesney gets back home and explains that Joseph has gone missing. Chesney doesn't seem too concerned, though, reckoning that he'll be at the park and he's just doing this to get Chesney back for being an utter shit. Oh, fuck you, Chesney. But Gemma wants to call the police. Right, she's like, this is not like Joseph. This mm. is not typical Joseph behaviour and fuck you Chesney for thinking that he's doing this just because of you. So the police come round and search the house suggesting that Ches calls his friend's parents and I think at this point Ches realises that he has no idea who that would be apart mm. from Fizz. Right. The search of the house uncovers nothing so the police leave to organise a search party. Chesney says that he hopes the police find Joseph before he does and against police wishes he goes out to look for him too. Fizz is heard and catches up with Chesney who can't help because she needs to look after Hope. Fizz wonders if this is about the bullies, and then Gemma comes out to tell them both 
that the cops have found Joseph's jumper in a nearby ginnel. It's cold. Why would have they taken the jumper off? And Gemma blames herself. That jumper was the source of some of the bullying, she says, and the police try to look at this as a positive clue. Bernie has been searching with Dev, and when they take a pit stop for tea at his place, Chesney comes in to let Dev know that he won't be at work tomorrow, and he snaps at Dev when explaining about the sell-by dates. Chesney takes a breath and apologises. He snapped because he really does care about Joseph after all, or something. Right. Then it fizzes, Hope comes downstairs for a packet of crisps and then takes them upstairs to the attic where she has hidden Joseph. He <laughs> looks ca- comfier and happier than he has all week. And that brings us on to this week's Hard Debate. What do you think Chesney's next steps will be now that, to his mind, Joseph has gone missing? A TV appeal. Organise a search party. Focus on the quads now. <laughs> Or Brick His Own Face. Brick His Own Face. Brick His Own Face was a run-out winner, 53.6%. 18.8% for Organise a Search Party and Focus on the Quads Now. And a mere 8.7% for a TV appeal. Which no, is we'll funny just see because... see what happens on Friday then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I liked when Hope asks for a packet of crisps. And then takes two. And Fizz says, well, just this once. Does Hope never get crisps? Get a child to deserve you don't get crisps. You help yourself to crisps, not near dinner time though. No. But outside of dinner time, knock yourself out. Pack a crisp. You want a Twix? Just this once? Well, she seems to, because she, she says it with, uh, is it a police lady who's there? There's, a, there's another person the there. there. And she, it, it seems like, you know, Fizz is being, you know, is, is making herself out to be the responsible parent. No. Fooling nobody then. Yeah. On Friday, the search for Joseph continues through the streets of Weatherfield, but with no luck. Every street has been covered, but there's still no sign. Bernie and Dev start up a collection for a reward for information. Yes. Meanwhile, Joseph has had a lovely night in Fizzy's attic with the spiders. He and Hope are determined to teach Ches a lesson for breaking promises about grassing up bullies. Ches has taken his frustrations out on a police liaison officer, thinking if it was a posh kid, there'd be helicopters out there looking. Ches just wants to have a go on a helicopter and cries when he realises that that won't be happening. But Fizz, they do have the helicopter out, the lady points out. This suggests a TV appeal. I was going to say that, says the liaison officer. Hope is too upset to go to school and is loading up on cereal. Evelyn looks like she's close to figuring something out, but Fizz bursts in and announces that a valuer will be coming around later to have a look at the house, and the moment passes. Hope shits herself a wee bit. I've got a Joseph hidden in the in the attic. Maybe maybe we need to do something about that. Yes. So Chesney is ready to do his TV appeal. He's standing in the middle of the street for some reason. Hmm. Normally these things happen at the police station or in a house, but we're doing it al fresco. And as he's doing this... COVID. Clint moses along and gets a lay of the land from Bernie. Hope watches on, seemingly unmoved from her bedroom window. Gemma is sure to mention that there's a reward for any information. And at that point, I'm thinking, I wonder if Hope's got little plans to bag that cash for herself. <laughs> so Hope causes a distraction by hiding Cerberus out the back while telling Fizz that he ran out the front. Fizz runs off to find the not-missing dog, which allows Hope's Joseph extraction plan to swing into action. And then Bernie comes into speed dial with a charity box looking for donations for Joseph's reward. She's been collecting from all the businesses and she's putting up posters. 
Fizz finds the dog as the valuer arrives. And the valuer thinks that they might be looking for 175 uh, for the place and then asks about the loft space. She goes up for a quick squiz and apart from some empty tins of pop, there's no sign of Joseph, who by this point is walking through the gasworks part of town on his own with a tent. With a tent. After the appeal, Gemma and Chesney go home and Chesney has become so deflated that he is now of the opinion that someone has snatched his son and he's probably dead now. Right, because they do say, like, the first 24 hours are critical right. and after that... Yeah. Yeah. Evelyn comes home as Hope leaves, telling Evelyn that she's off to meet Tyrone and look for Joseph. And with all the kerfuffle between the valuation and service going missing, somehow Evelyn and Fizz have got their wires crossed and have both lost sight of Hope. Right, because, you know, um, Evelyn says to Hope, well, it's quite possible there's a child snatcher out there somewhere, so you wait and I will walk you over. Right. But let me feed the dog first. And as soon as her back is turned, Hope just sneaks out. Right. Because she knows there's no child snatcher. Fizz checks with Tyrone, who hasn't seen Hope all day. Now Hope is also missing. It's a pandemic with a child catcher on the loose. And Nina's rolls, Clint is just finishing a shite when he runs into Alia and Zidane, still a bit miffed about the dishwasher. They're distracted when Ryan comes in to announce that someone has made a donation into Joseph's reward fund of £29,000. Mm-hmm. This gets Clint's ears a wagon. Ah, uh, yes. Hope, meanwhile, has found out where Joseph is hanging out on the industrial estate. He has a sleeping bag and Uncle Tyrone's fancy tent with him and he's wearing Hope's hoodie. She tells him that it's time to go home, but he has to ditch all the extras because it's too sus to go home with all that shite on him. And you never saw me, right? She insists. <laughs> Hope and Joseph sneak back onto She's the street. She's such a little criminal. I love her so much. And they're so focused on avoiding the cops, they're spotted by Clint, who follows behind them. And he corners them in the alleyway of doom and uses Scooby-Doo language to talk them into letting them take them home. Hope agrees if Clint coughs up 100 quid for the silence, which he does. So Clint takes Joseph home Explaining the story that he found Joseph on the industrial street and on the industrial estate, groovy. Hope gets home and gets a bit of a row from Tyrone and Fizz, but they're both mostly relieved to see her, so she gets away with it and she runs upstairs. And Chesney is about to leave to do more searching when Curtis comes back with Joseph. Hey man, look who I found! Ches and Gemma smother Joseph in hugs and kisses. You will be well rewarded, Sir Clint, says Gemma. Yes, who used to braid Clint's hair when she was a child. Right. Later, Fizz goes over to see how things are now Joseph has been found. He's asleep on the couch as Chesney explains why he thinks Joseph ran away in the first place because he betrayed Joseph's trust. Gemma beats herself up about having quads and not being able to make ends meet and Ches is worried the social will take them all away from them. How could Joseph think that they don't love him? And that's how we well, end this week's episodes. Sit down because uh, yeah, I have a long list. Listen to the start of this podcast. Yes. Because, yeah, he was just... He was such a dick all the way through. Right. I'm going to beat that kid up when I find him. (laughs) (laughs) We kill him. Yeah. Better hope the police find him first. Yeah. Just... He's doing this just to get back at me. Joseph just has... He's lying about the bullies. Like, just over and over again. He's got such a soft voice that... And a house that has Gemma in it. I guess it's quite easy for him not to be heard. Right. But he's not only is he not heard, he's barely seen. Right. And and they're always shouting, they're always, you know, getting annoyed at him for making even the slightest noise. Right. Or just having the audacity to want some money for a school trip. Right, yeah. 
or a sweater without a hole in it. Right. I mean, there's charity shops. I, I can understand that oh, they're on a budget and they've got many, many mouths to feed in that house. But, but you're right. Again, there's lots of jobs. There's lots of income coming in. And how much food does a baby really eat? Well, they're not baby babies anymore. They're walking around. Are they? Well, we saw Alid walking. Did we? We did. Briefly. Like he had a toy and stuff. It's funny that we never see all of the quads together. Nope. They were named. There were some name checks. Right. Because one of them sleeps with her eyes open, which freaks, which freaks them out. Cleo. Yeah, that was quite funny. Yeah. Oh, this felt like a kind of self-contained wee story where he goes missing at the start of the week and then he's found at the end of the week. Right. But there's got to be some... This is going to echo into coming I love, weeks. I love, that, I love that Clint... Has to it has to pay Hope and she demands, Joseph off. She demands hundred dollars each, right? Each, each. By the way, yeah. So and, and and Clint's kind of like, well, twenty nine grand. This is fine, but it's funny that he has that much money on him. That's uh, Alia and Zidane's for the dishwasher. He got right. a grant for that in cash. That's true. So, so this is how we're laundering money now by giving it to children. <laughs> but here's Joseph who can't afford the school trip. And can't afford to fix his jumper. And nor should he be able to afford that. He's now got 100 quid in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Which is going to get found. Oh. Presumably. Because kids that age can't hide anything anywhere for any length of time. So somebody's money is going to get found. And then, I don't know, this is looking kind of bad for Clint. And get for a Hope. Bit, don't you think? And for Hope. Yeah. Hope's done far worse though, that's the thing. It's true. She tried to kill Alina, remember? Yes. She did try to kill Alina. <laughs> and she'd been taking care of Joseph. Right. She's and she's been, continued she's to cousin. take care of, yeah. She's his protector. Right. Which is a... That's a great thing about family and kids that age. That's right. That, that they do have a sense of familial uh, loyalty. Hmm. And nobody's going to beat up Joseph apart from Hope. Right. That's my cousin. I'll beat him up. Yeah. Used to can fuck off. Right. Really shocked by the teacher, though. I'm not. God. Teachers are so bad when it comes to bullies. For believing the bully shit. Oh, we thought it would be nice for Joseph if we had a collection for him. When. Yeah, it's that's like. Never that's done not, for the, that's for a not good the only thing that's been done to him. No. But, you know, the fact that she was told the day of this field trip. And she's got this field trip to kind of focus on and everything. You know, I think I think if it was just like a regular school day, it might have been handled better. Yeah, maybe. But anyway. So what consequences do you foresee coming for Hope, Joseph and Clint mm. out of this? I'm, I'm just trying not to think about it. For the purposes of this podcast, could you think about it? No. I really don't want them to have any consequences. You'd much prefer this just to be over and done with. Yes. Maybe for maybe for Clint, but even Clint, I mean, he wasn't it wasn't bad. He did find them. He was the first adult to lay eyes on them. That's true. Which was just sheer luck on his part. Right. You know, but he does lie for about where he found them. Yeah. And everything to and claim the money. And pretends that hope wasn't there i think if if there's anything 
to be taken from this is that let's hope that Joseph is seen and heard a bit more in that house than yes. he than he currently is. And somebody gets him a new jumper, and that well, he's going to end up buying his own. Chesney and <laughs> Chesney and Gemma stop being so dear about things and allow people like Fizz, who is family, to help. You know, it's not like some stranger paid his way or, you know, Jenny down at uh, the Rovers. The you know, good, it's family. It's It should be fine. The good thing about, you know, this is, I, I think has been kind of set up by the fact that using Fizz as, as a kind of third parent mm. has been eliminated because because of the way that Chesney is choosing to vilify hope for for her past, which, right. ne- which never really felt all that great to me anyway. No. But the, the consequence of that is that he can't send Joseph round to Fizzy's. And if right. he can't send Joseph round to Fizzy's, then he can't get fed at Fizzy's because Fizz right. would just feed everybody. And right. Fizz would also... Have a, look attention. At that, have a look at that jumper and right. think, well, take that off and I'll stitch that Either up Either she you. or Evelyn would have taken care of that months ago. Right, and plus the other thing that Because they only have Hope and Ruby. ...are really good at is a little backhander. Here's yeah. a fiver for you, don't tell your parents. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. So Chesney himself has cut that possibility right. completely out of Joseph's life. Right. Because Hope tried to kill Alina. Right, yeah. <laughs> But Hope didn't try and kill Joseph. No. But anyway, it's... Yeah. One would hope that this, this means that Joseph... And, and again, we kind of saw this sort of... Something like this happening in a mile away. Because here, he's been the only child for so long. And now he's got four siblings all at once. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, I kind of felt sorry a little bit for Gemma when she said... It wasn't my fault that I had mm-hmm. four kids. But it has meant that money's really tight now. Right, and our time is really tight. Mm-hmm. But still, pay attention to Joseph. He he is still your responsibility as well. Did you notice a little bit of Jim and Chesney silently communicating with each other with a bit of sign language? Yes, that was nice. Right. I liked that. I like that they're continuing that. Yeah, and it was nice to do it for a, a wrong reason, which is to keep Joseph in the dark about what they were really talking about. Well, that's not necessarily a wrong reason. Yeah. Duplicitous. Anyway. Well, that was the week that was Coronation Street. Yes, it was. What was your moment of the week? <sighs> what was your moment of the week? No, 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 no. So I'll probably go with something with uh, Hope and Joseph. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to think what. Right. And that's the problem. There was no, like, moment yeah. between the two of them. Oh, what else have we got? Amy threatening to rip Maxie's throat out. That was pretty good, actually. That was pretty good. I did like that. And that was really nice because she and Summer had just made up. That's true. And become friends again. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. Amy threatening to rip Maxie's throat out. Yes. That is our (laughs) moment of of the week. week. Sorry, Hope and Joseph. (laughs) I don't know. I think we're. I think you're right. I don't think there was a. There was a moment where they were sitting on the couch, but mm-hmm. nothing. And there really. was the moment where they where the, where he swaps the tangerine for a chocolate biscuit, and can't believe that Hope would rather have the tangerine than the chocolate biscuit. Yeah. But again, I, 
And it feels, I, I do kind of feel bad for saying that because we did just give it to Roy and Mary just sitting and playing chess. Yeah, but uh, Hope has had a moment the week before. Joseph never has. Joseph, I think, has one in his future. Hmm. I'm, I'm really enjoying seeing how his... Uh, how they're giving him something to do now. And how well he's he's, he's doing it, it now yeah. that he has it. It's good. Yeah, it's that, good. That, that's in the future, but Amy's fury... Yes. I think is, is definitely worth it. And I'm not sure if Amy's had a, a moment of the week. And if she has, it hasn't been recently. No. It was probably when she was pregnant. What about your born moment of the week? What about that? <laughs> huh? Huh? What about your born moment of the week? Uh, Brian and Kathy planning a staycation. Only it's not a staycation. And explaining what a staycation is. Yeah, that was a bit born. Yeah. That's our boring moment of the week. It's good to have Brian and Kathy back. It is. But that was pretty boring. It was. <laughs> All right, shall we wrap this one up then? Yes, please. If you're looking to go away on a staycation and looking for a brochure, or if you want some cupcakes from us, we're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's K O F I slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more The Talk, the Talk of, of the, the Street. Street. Bye. Bye.